0: M. S. W. Media. Hello, and welcome to The Daily Beans for Friday, August 27th, 2021. Today, 13 service members are dead and 15 injured in two explosions at the Ahmed Karzai Airport in Kabul. Ty Garbin is sentenced to six years in prison for the plot to kidnap and execute Governor Whitmer. Ghost candidate Rodriguez pleads guilty to campaign finance violations and lying to prosecutors and is cooperating. And seven Capitol Police officers have filed a lawsuit against Donald Trump for his role in the insurrection. I'm Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's a solemn day. I'm going to be bringing you the headlines. Just me today. Then I'll be joined by Nina Dina. She's a trans woman and the founder of Lady Laughs Comedy. And we're going to discuss what it means to be a woman in entertainment and comedy and how to deal with venues that continue to book sex offenders. And then finally, I'll be joined by Amy Carrero for the much needed good news at the end of the show. And if you're a patron, we have meetups scheduled in Washington, D.C. this weekend on Friday night at 830. We have a meetup and then we have a brunch Sunday at noon. The location information is on the Patreon page. We'll be joined at some events by some of our recent big name special guests. I'm very excited. So visit patreon.com slash the Daily Beans for details. Then Monday at 5 p.m., Andrew Torres and I will be joined by Glenn Kirshner to record a live episode of Clean Up on Isle 45. There are still spots available for patrons of that podcast. So head to patreon.com slash aisle 45 pod for details. We do have a lot of news today, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. The lead story today is that 13 American service members are dead and 15 are wounded after two explosions that were caused by ISIS-K suicide bombers happened at the airport in Kabul. ISIS-K, or isis khorasan is the Afghan branch of ISIS. General McKenzie, head of CENTCOM, says we should expect these attacks or attempts for these kinds of attacks to continue. There have been warnings of these attacks perpetrated by ISIS-K. They've no doubt been planning the attacks since Trump signed our surrender to the Taliban last year. Biden has been warning both his administration, officials and the public about this danger on the ground and how it's real. And it is the reason we needed to leave. Despite the attacks today, General McKenzie says the mission to evacuate remaining Americans and Afghan allies will continue. Per usual, the media is vastly overestimating the number of Americans remaining. They've been saying there are thousands and thousands struggling to get out, abandoned by the government. But the State Department has announced today there were 1,500. We successfully extracted 500 of those, leaving about 1,000 around Afghanistan. And there are currently operations to get those Americans out, probably via helicopter to deliver them safely to the Kabul airport as U.S. troops begin to try to find those terrorists responsible for the suicide bombings this morning. The Pentagon has confirmed that the number of Americans still in Afghanistan is at that thousand number, not the not the multiple of thousands that the media has been reporting. In fact, since July, we have evacuated over 100,000 Americans and Afghan allies. We should be able to have the remaining Americans out by the August 31st deadline. And there are talks to stop triaging Afghans at the airport to get them into neighboring countries and then process their status. I assume the administration, which has already begun to evacuate U.S. troops, is working on the safety of our military members on the ground as fewer and fewer will remain. It's those last evacs that the situation will become ripe for danger as our force is reduced. It just makes sense. As we withdraw more and more troops, there'll be fewer there and there'll be more danger. The State Department reports they're in constant communication with the Taliban, who is the enemy, sworn enemy of ISIS-K, to coordinate that final withdrawal. The Taliban wants us out. We want out. And we fight on the same side against ISIS-K, as that terrorist group is actually vying to take control of Afghanistan by expressing the desire to overthrow the Taliban, though they are vastly outnumbered. ISIS-K is vying for power because they believe the Taliban is too moderate. And then more explosions were heard later in the day. But those were found to be American soldiers and U.S. troops and folks supporting the American effort there to secure the area. That's them destroying American equipment so it doesn't fall into the hands of the Taliban or other terrorist groups. My heart goes out to the service members, my shipmates, their families and the service members on the ground who continue the mission in the face of this devastating attack. And my rage lies squarely on the narrow shoulders of the former president who signed our surrender to the Taliban, which was a signal to terrorists to start planning attacks as we withdrew. And don't for one minute listen to any Trump supporter who said nothing when he called service members veterans and war dead suckers and losers, a coward who dodged the draft five times and is so transactional in nature and selfish in nature that he's fully and wholly incapable of understanding why anyone. Would serve a greater cause other than themselves. President Biden echoed those remarks and he gave remarks today after the terror attacks on our troops. He said he's been in contact all day with commanders and others here and in Afghanistan and in Doha, Qatar. He said, quote, these American service members who gave their lives are heroes, heroes who have been engaged in a dangerous, selfless mission to save the lives of others. He says our hearts ache for all those Afghan families who lost loved ones in the attack, who lost children, or who who were wounded. And then he he said, being the father of an army major, uh, when he came home after a year in Iraq, he was diagnosed, as many were, with an aggressive and lethal cancer of the brain. And he said, we lost. So we have some sense, as many of you do, what this is like. He said, a feeling that you're being sucked into a black hole in the middle of your chest. But he said, but I know this, we have a continued obligation, a sacred obligation to you and those heroes. And that obligation lasts forever. And he said, for those who carried out this attack and for those who wish Americans harm, know this, we will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. He continued to go on saying he would defend our interests and our people with every measure at his command. He said, we will not be deterred by terrorists. We will not let them stop our mission. We will continue our evacuation. He said he's also ordered his commanders to develop operation plans to strike ISIS-K leadership and facilities. He said, we will respond with force and precision on our time in the place we choose at the moment of our choosing. And he closed with a moment of silence and saying America will not be intimidated. He then took some questions. He said, we will authorize additional forces to respond and protect the Americans who remain on the ground. I've instructed the military that whatever they need, if they need additional force, I will grant it. For now, the Joint Chiefs and commanders subscribe to the mission as designed. So for now, they're not asking for additional troops. But Biden says he will grant whatever they ask for. But with regard to finding and tracking down the ISIS leaders who ordered this, Biden said, we have some reason to believe we know who they are. We will find ways of our choosing without large military operations to get them wherever they are. Biden was also asked if he went against the advice of his advisors with regards to evacuating Bagram Air Force Base before civilians. Biden said unequivocally put this to rest that the commanders both at the Pentagon and CENTCOM in Afghanistan advised him that Bagram was not much value added and it was much wiser to focus on Kabul. Biden said, so I followed their recommendation. But he said, I bear full responsibility for all that has happened as of late. So very powerful words from the president. In other news, a Heartland Township man was sentenced to six years in prison Wednesday for his role in the plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer last year after reaching a plea agreement with prosecutors. Ty Gerard Garbin, 25 years old, is the first of those accused in a high profile conspiracy to be sentenced. Four Michigan residents, Adam Fox of Potterville, Daniel Joseph Harris of Lake Orion, Caleb Franks of Waterford Township, and Brandon Caserta of Canton Township, plus Delaware resident Barry Croft Jr., have also been charged in federal court in connection with the alleged kidnapping plot and will go to trial later this year. They argue they were victims of entrapment by federal agents. Garben pled guilty in January to his part in the conspiracy to kidnap Whitmer during the height of state mandated coronavirus shutdowns last year. He's the only defendant to plead guilty, and both prosecutors and Garbin's attorney acknowledged Garbin would serve as a star witness if the others accused in the conspiracy go to trial. From his seat at the head of the courtroom, Garbin apologized to his family and to Whitmer for causing them so much distress since his highly publicized arrest. He says, quote, I can't even begin to imagine the amount of stress and fear her family members felt due to my actions, and for that I am truly sorry. U.S. District Judge Robert Jonker acknowledged Garbin's willingness to cooperate with prosecutors and his genuine interest in reform when he delivered the 75-month sentence. Jonker says he hopes it deters other people from getting swept up in extremist ideology and plots of violence. Prosecutors have said Garbin should have been given a lenient sentence because he cooperated with federal authorities, helping them confirm elements of the plot. He has testified before the grand jury, which helped prosecutors levy additional charges against others accused of orchestrating the plot. So instead of 14 to 17 years, outlined by Michigan guidelines, prosecutors asked Jonker to sentence Garbin to just nine years. They hoped a shorter prison sentence would encourage his co-defendants to also plead guilty. Garbin's attorney also asked Jonker for a more lenient six-year sentence, arguing his cooperation amounted to an extraordinary acceptance of his responsibility for his actions. He should be sentenced well below the guidelines of 14 to 17 years, and that's what he wrote in an August 18th sentencing memo. So it was Garbin's attorney that asked for six years. Before his arrest, attorney said Garbin had a clean criminal history and endured an abusive upbringing. Mm, sorry, no sympathy from me. They argued he is vulnerable to assault or death in prison because he cooperated with prosecutors. Well, prison sucks. It's supposed to. And in one of the sham candidate cases that we've been covering in Florida, the man accused as running as a third-party candidate to siphon votes away from the Democrat opponent in a close state Senate race, has pled guilty. His name is Alexis Pedro Rodriguez. He agreed to testify against former Senator Frank Artiles after pleading guilty in a Miami-Dade County hearing to accepting illegal campaign donations and lying on campaign documents. He will receive three years probation if he cooperates, including a year of house arrest. He had faced 20 years in prison. Prosecutors charged Artiles in March with felony campaign fraud charges saying he secretly gave more than $44,000 to Rodriguez so that he could run in the 2020 election and confuse voters and siphon ballots from then-Democratic incumbent Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez. The funds allegedly came from a dark money source. Artiles has pleaded not guilty. Alex Rodriguez, a 55-year-old auto parts salesman with no political experience, ran as an independent in a three-way race in Miami-Dade, pulling in 6,000 votes. The race was won by Republican Elena Garcia by just 32 votes. She is not implicated in the scheme. He says, quote, I'm deeply sorry for my actions. I want to apologize to my family, my loved ones and friends. Alex Rodriguez tearfully told the court, I would like to publicly offer a sincere apology to the residents of Florida District Senate 37, including Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez, the people of Miami-Dade County, the state of Florida and anyone else who was affected by my actions. I just keep thinking of all the COVID deaths. Miami-Dade State Attorney Catherine Fernandez-Rundles said in a statement that the guilty play is an important step in the effort to restore honesty to Florida's election process, which has been tarnished too long by almost invisible, independent, and write-in candidates. Court records show Artiles has connections to very powerful operatives with ties to state Republican leadership. Hmm. Artiles' trial is currently set for October. Finally, a group of seven Capitol Police officers have filed a lawsuit on Thursday accusing former President Trump and nearly 20 members of far-right extremist groups and political organizations of a plot to disrupt the peaceful transition of power during the Capitol riot on January 6th. This is from the New York Times. The suit, which implicated members of the Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, Roger Stone, and other associates, was arguably the most expansive civil effort to date seeking to hold Trump and his allies legally accountable for storming the Capitol. While three other similar lawsuits were filed in recent months, the suit on Thursday was the first to allege that Trump worked in concert with both far-right extremists and political organizers promoting his baseless lies that the presidential election was, you know, fraudulent. Quote, This is probably the most comprehensive account of January 6th in terms of civil cases. That's according to Edward Casper, a lawyer who is leading the suit for the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Quote, It spans from the former president to militants around him to his campaign supporters. Several police officers who served during the Capitol riot have come forward with stories of the insults and injuries they faced that day, most prominently at a congressional hearing in July. But the lawsuit filed in federal district court in D.C. was the first time that the seven plaintiffs, five of whom are black, offered details of their ordeals. One of the officers, Governor Latson, was helping to secure the Senate chamber when a mob of rioters broke in and shoved him, beat him, hurled racial slurs at him, And that's according to the lawsuit. Another, Jason DeRoche, was caught in a melee on the West Front steps of the Capitol, where, according to the lawsuit, rioters pelted him with batteries and doused him with mace and bear spray. The suit contends that Trump and his co defendants violated the Ku Klux Klan Act. That's the same act that has been cited in the other lawsuits against Trump. It's an 1871 statute that includes protections against violent conspiracies that interfere with Congress's constitutional duties. It also accuses the defendants of committing bias-motivated acts of terrorism in violation of District of Columbia law. The use of civil litigation to hold Trump and many in his orbit accountable has taken place even as the Justice Department has undertaken the largest criminal investigation in its history into the Capitol attack and the Select Committee of Congress has opened its own inquiry. On Wednesday, members of the committee made a far-reaching request to federal agencies for detailed records. We went over that yesterday in the show. As we know, the other lawsuits, the first was filed in February by the NAACP on behalf of Benny Thompson, who accused Trump, Giuliani, the Proud Boys, and the Oath Keepers of conspiring to prevent certification of the Electoral College vote. In March, Swalwell filed a similar complaint against Trump, Giuliani, Trump Jr., and Mo Brooks. That same month, two Capitol police officers also filed a suit against Trump. In each of those cases, Trump is sought to have the charges dismissed by arguing he was acting in his official capacity. Other defendants, like Mr. Giuliani, have claimed they were exercising their First Amendment rights of free speech when they instigated the insurrection. While the new lawsuit appears to largely rely on news reports and details gleaned from criminal cases filed by the Justice Department, it takes a broad view of the origins of the attack. It argues the conspiracy to disrupt the election started as early as May of 2020, which we've said on this show, when Mr. Trump began complaining on social media that mail-in voting could lead to fraud. The suit accuses Roger Stone... Of echoing those and other claims, sometimes on right-wing news outlets like InfoWars, Stone, who has faced scrutiny early in the Justice Department's investigation, has long denied any role. At a presidential debate in September, the lawsuit says Trump appeared to summon members of the Proud Boys by telling them to stand back and stand by. The following month, according to the suit, Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers, appeared on InfoWars, predicting an impending civil war and vowing to post armed members of his group outside Washington to save the White House. Rhodes is also under investigation in connection with the riot and recently acknowledged that he answered questions from the FBI against the advice of his lawyer. A few weeks after the election, the lawsuit says a key organizer of Stop the Steal, Ali Alexander, appeared at a rally outside his state capitol in Georgia with the leader of the Proud Boys, Enrique Tarrio. We're going to stop the steal, the suit quotes Mr. Alexander as saying, but first we're going to stop the certification. Mr. Alexander's lawyer, Baron Coleman, has repeatedly said his client is not under investigation in connection with the riot. Mr. Tarrio was not in Washington on January 6th, but was sentenced this week to five months in prison for possessing illegal weapons and burning a Black Lives Matter flag stolen from a historic black church in Washington after a separate pro-Trump rally in December that also descended into violence. Those aren't federal. That's not a federal case. So he could still be in trouble with the feds if he's not cooperating. The suit mentions other steps along the path to January 6th, It says in late November, California-based political organizer Alan Hostetter, who uh, believed the election was stolen, posted a video on the Internet claiming people at the highest levels needed to be made an example of with an execution or two or three. Hostetter, who was charged in June with conspiring to storm the Capitol with members of the 3%er militia movement, also said in the video he was going to return to Washington with a million patriots and will surround this city. As for January 6th, the suit paints a picture of Stop the Steal activists riling up the mob of Trump supporters gathered in Washington with lies about the election, which the president then echoed in a speech on the Ellipse. Members of the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, and the Three Percenters movement, it claims, led the mob on the ground in the Capitol assault. As we know, Enrique Tarrio was just sentenced to five months, as the story said. And again, I want to say that that wasn't federal court. That wasn't the D.C. U.S. attorney. That was uh, the D.C. local courts there. And honestly, Trump, hasn't asked the Department of Justice for certification in these lawsuits. He hasn't gone to the Department of Justice the way Mo Brooks did and said, you need to represent me because the stuff I said was part of my job. I don't think that they're going to do that. And I think that they made a pretty, you know, loud and clear in the Mo Brooks decision that I'm sorry, that's not part of a congressperson's job or any federal employee's job, instigating an attack on the Capitol. All right, we'll be right back with the good news today with Amy Carrero. But coming up next is my interview with amazing activist and comedian Nina Dina. Stay with us.
1: After these messages, will be right back.
0: Hey, everybody, it's Allison for The Beans. Adventure doesn't always have to mean a trip abroad or getting lost in the wilderness. Some of my favorite everyday adventures are getting lost in a book or finding a new brunch spot. That's my really, let's be honest, that's my favorite adventure. And whether you're exploring the world or discovering a new flavor of mimosa, I love the flights. They bring you a flight of mimosa. Whatever's going on, Everlane has premium essentials to outfit you in comfort. I love the versatility of Everlane. Their pieces can be used to dress up or down. I have this amazing v-neck tank top. It's v-neck in the front, v-neck in the back. I can wear it with skinny jeans and heels or just yoga pants and chill. It's really awesome. They've been making quality clothing using sustainable materials since 2010 and they use ethical factories only and they have transparent pricing. So they share exactly how much their products cost to produce. Searching for the perfect pants? Everlane's denim stays comfortable and versatile all year long. Skinny to relaxed, slim to athletic, find the perfect cut that fits your form just right. All made from certified organic cotton and the world's cleanest denim factory with zero landfill waste. I love that. From working out to takeout, swimwear to trackwear, Netflix and chill, Everlane has styles for lounging at home or hitting up your favorite late night spot. Everlane accepts returns within 30 days of the ship date and all uniform clothing comes with a 365 day guarantee. So go to everlane.com dailybeans sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping. You'll get easy returns within 30 days. They have amazing customer service. That's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com/slash dailybeans and sign up today. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm so excited to be joined today by somebody who I think is one of the funniest people working today. She's founder of Lady Laughs Comedy, an actor and a transgender comic. Please welcome Dina Nina.
2: Thank you so much. Oh, that's so sweet for you to say. <laughs>
0: And I just wanted to double check, are your pronouns she and her? Absolutely. Okay. I wanted to make sure, yeah. as are mine. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let's dive in because, first of all, you, I mean, you have so many incredible credits. You've been heard on PBS, NBC. You were called one of the 58 trans women actors you should know and also love by Otto Stroud. <laughs> I love that, right? Because sometimes, like, you know, comedians, actors, you should know, you know, not that yeah. you should <laughs> like totally already <them> or anything. <laughs> So, how long have you been doing this? What got you
2: into it?: I started doing stand-up in L.A. 15 years ago, and um, have just been plugging along and moved to the Midwest, you know, for my career.:
0: It's <laughs> a big move that most comics are afraid to make.
2: To it's me. true. It's <laughs> true. Everybody's trying to go the opposite direction, and I'm just like, I, I could use I could use a little, you know, cheese curds and extra weight on my body.
0: <laughs> mm, mm, cheese curds. Oh my Seriously, god! Seriously though, my my favorite stage shows. Mm-hmm. You know, Madison, Minneapolis, Twin Cities area, Chicago, Midwest is yeah. so fun to do shows.
2: It is. I love how I did not expect what I expected in the Midwest. So I transitioned in Los Angeles. The majority of my adult upbringing was in Los Angeles, um, and but I, I moved there from Texas, but. After moving to L.A., transitioning and coming into my adulthood, really, you know, knowing myself in a city and then moving to the middle of the country, I was like, I'm either going to get murdered or married. And uh, neither one has happened. So uh, (laughs) I'm winning. (laughs) Yay. Yeah, Yeah, you win. So I found this warmth that I did not expect, especially as a trans person coming into you know, a smaller city and being like, hey, I'm here, (laughs) you know, and Mm. and they just have welcomed me and and I've gotten to perform all over the Midwest. And the people that I meet are just really cool and nice, just salt of the earth people, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I noticed that too. You know, I never I every time I was there, I didn't want to talk politics Mm -hmm. with anybody that I met. Everybody was just, you know, just, just ignore that. And then everybody is awesome. Yeah, and and amazing. If if you just kind of leave that little bit of it out, I've noticed. And and even sometimes we would just, you know, you get into conversations with folks, you find where you have common ground. Everybody's got common ground somewhere, and you can tell. Yeah, you know, what people people care about jobs and, and their kids and their schools and and work. You know, work mm-hmm. ethic and jobs and stuff. And as long as you stay on those topics, everything seems pretty chill.
2: Yeah. I agree with that. I, I'm mostly in Madison, but I'm all over like the Midwest cities and and towns. And so I kind of happened into a very progressive, you know, town and, and people around me, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not usually really scared of talking politics, but if I leave you know, the proper, the city limits, I usually am like, okay, let's talk about my inner thighs, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And on the stage, it's different, right? I mean, I, yeah. I just mean like being out in the yeah. world in those areas, because on, on stage, people know who you are when they come to see you, you know, it's so that it gives you a, a little more freedom there. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to ask you about something you just mentioned, which was, finding your voice, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I started, you know, as a comedian, I was just basically Mitch Hedberg doing one-liners. <laughs> but as I grew and found my voice, I found I became a, more of a storyteller. And that was my my comfort zone. Talk a little bit about, because, you know, I, I didn't go through transition. So I can't imagine or I can't understand like what that Doing that at the same time as like. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm really interested to to know what that's what that's like.
2: Yeah, I actually became a stand-up comic because as I was transitioning, I, I was a showgirl for a while and 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 there was something about moving into womanhood that made me feel less comfortable with the overfeminization and sexualization of of how we view and depict women in in the drag culture and the queer culture. So I I just went to stand up and I found that because everybody always would say you know you should be a stand up comedian mm. and and let's be clear we all go through some sort of transition when we're you know for anything so. Mine was just about my gender identity and orientation, which actually freed me more than I think a lot of a lot of things. But when I, I found that comedy and just becoming a woman, not I I am proud to be a trans woman, but when it comes down to it, I'm just a woman living my life, you know, a fat girl in a, you know, in a in a toxic world, you know, <laughs> being being me, being funny and using my humor to educate and spread positivity and love. Even when I get cranky, I think my, my love, my, you know, kind positive spirit, I'm, I'm really not real positive, but like, you know, like my, I feel like the inside of me, like the, the filling is positive.
0: (laughs) The creamy nougat center of positivity. Yeah.
2: And comedy just was amazing for me and, and, and being able to, express all the things that I didn't know anyone else was feeling on stage was amazing.
0: Yeah. How uh, it is truly incredible how so many people can relate to the details, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not necessarily the big picture. Yeah. Right. But the details I've talked to a a lot of comics about this, Uh, you know, for me specifically, it was about taking a trauma and working it into something that's relatable to everybody so that we all laugh and we all win. Yeah, you yeah. know what do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and so whatever that situation or issue or thing you're trying to educate people on is whatever it is, there are relatable bits. Just like how I was telling you you know when we talk to uh, folks outside of our bubble that there are relatability Uh, Points that we can always, we can all focus on. And we've, and everybody goes through these things regardless of how they went through them. Do you know what I mean?
2: Uh, A thousand percent. When I started stand up, I was, I don't remember there being more than two or three other trans comedians at the time that were out doing things, you know? And a lot of people were like, if you, you know, if you just talk a little bit higher and, you know, if you change everything about you, you could just pretend not to be trans, you know? But, uh, they would be like, you don't have to say that you're trans on stage. And I was like, I went through a whole process where I was like, I need to talk about this because people don't know who we are. People don't know us from anything other than being a dead prostitute on, on a Dick Wolf show, you know?
0: Dum-dum. <laughs>
2: Dum-dum. So I specifically talked about how crazy it is to be a woman in dating and how crazy it is our relationships with our inner thighs and, you know, our, our skin elasticity. All of those things that all women relate to. And a lot of men do too. And and so when I go on stage, the the majority of my material isn't, hey, I have a penis. <laughs> you know, it's it's, I am a woman who experiences things that women do. And this is funny. And this is why it's funny. So I, I was very deliberate and going into stand up, showing a fuller depiction of who we are as, as trans people, but also as women, if that makes sense.
0: It does. And that sort of brings me to the next thing that I want to talk about, which is what it's like to be a woman in comedy. <laughs> <laughs> what I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? I will. Awesome. Everybody will be right back. Hello, all. It is AG with the Daily Beans. You can call me Allison Gill if you want. And this segment of the show is brought to you by Upstart. If you dread looking at your credit card statements and hate sending out the payments because nothing seems to ever get lower, you are so not alone. So many Americans experience financial hardship, especially over the last year. A lot of us were living off our credit cards and the debt can feel crippling. It's a cloud hanging over your head, but Upstart can clear the skies to financial freedom. Upstart is an online personal loan service. They help you pay off your debt fast. More than half a million people have used Upstart to consolidate high interest credit card debt pay off their credit cards or fund personal expenses with simple fixed monthly payments. Because the other lenders, they only look at your credit score, right? But Upstart knows you're a person. So they look at other stuff like income and employment history. And that means they can offer smarter rates with their trusted partners. Just a five minute online rate check and you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. And upon approval of your loan, you can get your funds in as quick as one business day. I know a lot of people, gig workers, comics, entertainers, we've just been living off those credit cards over the last year just piling up that debt. So I highly recommend checking out Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Please use our URL because that lets them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your application. So just go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. Today's show is also brought to you by the amazing sustainable clothes makers, American Giant. So many products today, including clothes, are mass produced. Quickly and cheaply, they don't care about quality. You have to buy them more often. They end up in landfills. It's not sustainable. But American Giant has set out to bring the best craftsmanship and attention to detail back to the marketplace. American Giant's best-selling premium tees are made in the United States with a custom heavyweight slub fabric that is not see-through, non-torquing, unlike other other t-shirts on the market. American Giant spent over a year obsessing over the fabric, trying all these different ones, and they tested several variations until they found the perfect fabric. It is made in Los Angeles, California. It is made of 100% American grown cotton. It is a rich and varied texture that gives you a really unique look. It's got a wonderful fit and it holds its shape and its color. Wash after wash after wash. I was immediately drawn to the tee because it's comfort and quality. Even after countless washes, it still looks and feels great. So let American Giant play a role in letting your style shine. American Giant offers the highest quality clothes that feel and look fantastic. Get your new favorite tees at American-Giant.com today and use promo code DailyBeans for 15% off your first order. That is 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at American-Giant.com. Everyone, we're talking with Dina and Nina, comedian extraordinaire. And right before the break, you were talking about, you know, the things that you talk about, about, you know, on stage, about being a woman. Everyone can relate to that, even men, because men know women, and Mm -hmm. men have, there's men who have relationships with women, and there's all sorts of people who have relationships with people who understand these 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 things right Right. elasticity thigh gap my thigh gap comes and goes when when he's here his name is arthur you know (laughs) stuff like that but i wanted to talk specifically about what it's like to be a a woman in comedy because i've noticed a lot of things as a woman in comedy and and any entertainment as a matter of fact particularly but in comedy we don't have a union we don't have an (laughs) hr we can call up and say You know, somebody just grabbed my butt on the way up on stage or the fact that it's really hard to get laid as a as a Mm -hmm. as a female comedian because you are a woman with a microphone and they're going to end up in the set. You know, I mean, there's just all sorts of weird, weird things. And I was wondering your experience about being a woman in comedy. I'm, I'm dying to know.
2: I'm very lonely. (laughs)
0: that's why i got into politics there's so much so yeah no
2: (laughs) and that's pretty much why i cry myself to sleep at night eating nachos (laughs) cuddling my dog yay (laughs) you know it's not dissimilar than any other woman's journey in comedy which is Mm. is you know one of the most interesting things about it you know it's just so tough because Still, to this day, I look at schedules on major comedy clubs around the country, around the region, and it's male, 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 woman, man, 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 you know? Like, it's just always so male-dominated. And I am in a world that is asking corporations and companies to change and look at their hiring practices and diversity and how they include people. Comedy's not. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's not doing any of that. Nobody. I don't think any of the general managers and bookers in comedy clubs around the country are thinking, "Oh, we need to be more diverse in our booking." <laughs> you know, they're just like, right. "Let's book men, whether they're black, yeah. white, oh. Asian, whatever." They bring me up for Women's
0: History Month, and then for when they have a show where it has uh, veterans yeah. that are comedians, and they're like, "Oh, there's a girl." All right, sweet. It, yeah, it's it's not at all inclusive. And
2: there aren't many transgender shows where they're like, let's bring a trans lady to come be funny.
0: <laughs> it's just it's just during Pride Month, right? Yeah. And then you're like, could you book me the rest of the fucking year?
2: Or and it's one show out of all right. the shows during that month.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I remember doing the World Series of Comedy, right? And and all of the women were put on one stage, this side stage, and they all battled it out for a spot in the finals. Wh- mm-hmm. You know, where where everybody else. Went the you know throughout through the normal route, so you'd have like a lady, uh, in the finals, and I don't think a woman's ever won. I'm I'm pulling for a friend of mine who's in it this year. I hope she gets it. Mary Upchurch, an app, just absolutely hilarious woman. Mm -hmm. But you know it's it's that way. And then something else that you know I I wanted to talk to you about because you've recently received a lot of attention for taking a stand on comedy stages and venues and bookers who are booking like sex offenders,
2: known Mm -hmm. sex offenders. Known sex offenders, there is no accountability. And and one of the things, even on the, you know, micro level in common in open mics, you know, throughout a city, men are not holding each other accountable to the things that they say. Like there's when I go to an open mic and somebody's doing a, a joke that's very close to rapey, but doesn't say rapey, and no other guy is like, hey. Well, we need to talk about that there's a problem and because we are not asking ourselves those questions as bookers like you know is this appropriate is this how is this going to affect the people in my in in my organization how is it going to affect the audience members how is it going to affect the other comics in the scene that we book on this stage mm-hmm. we are not asking those questions we are just booking people because we're gonna fill a room for five shows on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And it probably is the grossest part of capitalism.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, talking about men needing to speak up. Yeah. We really can't. I mean, we can, but then what happens is uh, you know what, you're ruining this whole you're ruining comedy. You and your
2: woke you're self. hysterical.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, you have the vapors. Here's your fainting couch. You're ruining <laughs> comedy. Not that they know what any of those words mean. Exactly. But, uh, you know, and then you become ostracized or, or you know, you're you're looked at as ruining comedy. Mm-hmm. And And I should be able to say whatever I want. That's what comedy is. You don't get it. If you don't get it, get the fuck out of comedy. If you can't take it, blah, blah, blah. So that's why it's so important for men mm-hmm. to speak up for other men to speak up. And you're right,
2: I I haven't seen it happen. No, it doesn't happen. And I'm trying to bring a light to that and say, guys, why aren't you holding each other accountable? You know, and most guys are like, you know, it's just an open mic. I'm like, yes, but if you're saying this on an open mic stage, you're probably saying it on a showcase that you're booked on. You're probably saying it on podcasts that you're on all your bro podcasts, you know, Mm -hmm. Joe Rogan saying it, (laughs) you know, like it's, Mm -hmm. it's just like, I I just don't understand why cis men can't just rein in their urges to say things that are rape adjacent. And, And I mean, what it comes down to is when your comedy club system, your booking system And the comics that surround that system have no reason to speak against sexual assault or speak against, you know, misbehavior, you know, which Mm -hmm. is assault, you know? When nobody's talking about it except the women who are experiencing it every time they walk into a comedy club, Mm -hmm. then there's a problem. And... I feel like as consumers and as comedians that we need to hold the clubs responsible for how they book. You know, a- an extra couple of thousand dollars on a couple of shows for you isn't a lot of money. Mm. But for those of us who are working our ass off and going into comedy clubs and feeling um, physically uncomfortable and threatened... Because of and, and re traumatize because you invite somebody who is a, uh, a predator into your club, then your thousand dollars, a couple of thousand dollars is great, but you've just, you know, really affected your whole ecosystem.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think that what's important and the reason I wanted to have you on today is this isn't just relatable to comedians or entertainers Mm -hmm. this is relatable to everyone because your open mic example you're doing it maybe then at a showcase and then on a bunch of podcasts and then they then they take that to their families and then their other jobs if they have a day job or 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 an additional job which most comedians and entertainers have Mm -hmm. and because it would be great if we could all make a living wage just doing comedy amen (laughs) <laughs> but, but, you know, it it's it goes out into the world. And then this kind of thing happens at so many other people's jobs that aren't comedy. Right. But, you know, if you've got a microphone and a platform and a couple million listeners, Joe Rogan, then it really gets out there and and it adds up and it snowballs over time. And that is what creates that culture. Do you know what I mean? That's right, Yeah. That's sort of how it develops.
2: And it's already like super pervasive in the in society, period. Mm-hmm. And we all know that for the most part, cis white men face far fewer drawbacks to bad behavior than women. I mean, we can just look at Kathy Griffin's career, you know, like we can look at the Dixie chicks. And, you know, when a woman has an opinion, we're threatening and everything fights against us. And that's that's just we need to start talking about these things because I don't know about you, but I know maybe one or two women who haven't been sexually assaulted in some shape or form, mm-hmm. and and it's because we're not holding men accountable for their actions. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And do you do you actually have an example? Have you ever performed like on a show
0: with a sex offender that was on the show?
2: Not knowingly, <laughs> but I'm sure mm-hmm. I have. I mean. There are always shows that I, especially when, like, if, for those who don't know the comedy scene on your local comedy scene, when you're coming up, you do shows with like 5,000 people on a show at night <laughs> and it lasts for 20 hours, it feels like. And every show, especially independently produced, unless they're very conscious about how they book it, there is at least one dude on the show that says something really dumb and very, you know, very rapey, very in that, in that space. I've been fortunate that <laughs> most of those comics are like, oh no, it's a trans person, I'm gonna stay away, you know? But, but it's like, uh, you know, I just, I go to shows all the time. I, I'm i on shows with comics that I'm just like, are you kidding? You actually said that? And so what I try to do is call them out on stage because that's unacceptable, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the, I think that's the right way to do it. Because you can see the audience, too. Like, Mm -hmm. I've I've seen a lot of that. And for me, I think that it's also very hard to to speak up. Mm -hmm. We are afraid to report. You know, I personally was sexually assaulted by a comedian, a known comedian. And they told me that if I said anything, I would never get passed at the store. And uh, I was booked on a show at a prominent club with that person. I was supposed to be the headliner Mm -hmm. that night. Which, to, if, you, if you're not a comic, that means, you know, you're the main, you're the top build mm-hmm. act. And I didn't say anything to the club who had booked this person, because in my head, I was like, I'm a professional, I'm going to go in, there's a lot of people around, I'm going to do my set, and I'm going to, you know, kill it, and then I'm going to leave, and it's going to be fine. I should have, you know, in retrospect, mm-hmm. said something. But what ended up happening was this well-known comic said, no, I'm headlining. Of course. And this is, at, this is after the assault happened. And I was like, I don't think you want to do that. Why not? I'm like, because I'm better than you. And uh, you always want the best person to go last. Right. And he's like, no, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. And he was all mad at me because I, I wouldn't allow him to continue assaulting me. And uh, I, I was like, fine, whatever you say, man. And I went up and I did my set, Murder Town, Beast Mode. And then he, instead of just getting up and doing his set, he actually tried to tear my set apart. And tear me down, and he walked the entire room. Yeah, and for for those listening, that means everybody got up, booed him, and got up and left. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, da, da da da. And I told the booker afterwards what happened. He's like, what the hell was that about? And and I told him what happened, and he goes, why the fuck didn't you tell me? I wouldn't have put, I wouldn't have booked him, and I won't book him again. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, to me, that was like the, oh, this is a safe place to report these things. And we have to find those clubs and those club owners that are willing to listen to us and not banish us for talking about it, but to actually not book that person anymore. And that's the big fear, isn't it?
2: Yeah, because... At any moment, they could say, you know, we're we're gonna just stick with this dude, you know, because you're you cause trouble.
0: And he and he's got more credits than me. He's got a, mm-hmm. a bunch of TV credits, and movie credits, right. and I, you know, I was on I was on House Hunters, but you know, pfft, that's about it.
2: I love that show. <laughs> um, yeah, a- and especially when we're coming up and and things happen to us, or when somebody like um, you know, a, an A lister or comic comes in and. And they sexually assault you and say, hey, don't maybe you shouldn't talk about this like it. it sh-. And then you say something to the comedy club and they're going to be like, yeah, we're not interested in booking you anymore because, you know, he makes us money.
0: Although I did after I left L.A. and I came back and, you know, back and forth and back and forth. I did actually end up telling the comedy store mm-hmm. where I was threatened not to be passed Yeah, about it. I told the booker. And he he was very, uh, you know, awesome. very kind, very like, yeah. I didn't know that. I had no idea. Thank you for telling, telling us that. He hasn't been booked there since. His name's still on the wall, but he hasn't been booked there since. And I have. Yeah. So I, I think my lesson for me, at least there, and what I, I want to tell everybody else is that even though it seems like you shouldn't, take the chance, no yeah. matter what your job is, because I think that you'll find that, especially now, post Me Too movement, a lot more people are receptive to that, and they don't want that shit in their club or their business or their, you know, in their area.
2: <laughs> or they want that, and they want the money. And they want to book it. They want the attention, and then they book it, and you know, not to go in there anymore. Yeah, you know, I comedy clubs have not been my my career path. Like that hasn't been my staple. I've kind of done everything in a a, a more indie way, and a and and I love what I've done. And and when I book shows, I book them thinking about, you know, women first. Women first. Like the majority of my lineups are going to be women. And then I'm thinking about how diverse I can make that lineup at, at at any possible, you know, moment. I want it to be as diverse as possible because the more diverse we are, the different perspectives we have, the more entertaining it is because what people want to see and what they want in an experience is to laugh and get you. They want to laugh and get you. Yeah,
0: and the lesson for the audience is, I can relate to all of these people. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge step yeah. in in at least equity amongst ourselves, you mm-hmm. know?
2: Yeah. And I'll book men, but but you're not my priority because you can go anywhere and get a book. Well, m-
0: men can be funny, you know, and you want to have, you know, I've every heard once that. in a while. You want to have, you know, you put it and you introduce them like, and and, and now we've got a man on the show, everybody, a male comic. I bring him up and Mm -hmm. and he's he was voted funniest male in (laughs) on the side stage at the the Women's Comedy (laughs) World Series. But, yeah, I think I think that diversity is so important, especially in things like comedy, because, like I said, Every single person can relate to the details of every comedian's jokes and stories yeah. and and life. And when when people writ large recognize that diversity is relatable, they carry that lesson forward in their own lives. Yeah. So
2: and then like I think I feel like anytime anyone sees me, they go, get to go home and think I saw a trans person. I met a trans person. I met a trans person who wears a muumuu and likes to eat food. You know, I met a trans person who who is not a showgirl, you know, I'm not a prostitute, you know, yay. If that's how you, if, if that's what you love, but that's, that's not who I am. Like I'm your, I'm your Midwest nice trans lady, you know, like I'm the one who bakes <laughs> cookies and brings them out to the kids and says, get out of my yard. after that."
0: You eat cheese curds with your doggo. Amen. <laughs> well, it's been really, really wonderful talking with you today. Do you have any projects or shows coming up or anything that you want to promote? And also I want you to tell everybody where they can follow you on the socials.
2: Yeah, I'm on all the socials at Dina Nina XO, D-I-N-A-N-I-N-A-X-O. I run Lady Laughs Comedy. And we're on all the socials except for Twitter at Lady Laughs Comedy. And Twitter is Lady Laughs Fest. I teach stand-up and we produce a lot of shows in the Madison, Wisconsin area as well as we're about to tour a couple of things as soon as we can figure out how to do that in a safe manner throughout the country. And then my podcast is I Love Funny Women. Absolutely. On all the pod- podcast places.
0: Wonderful. I love funny women. Because I do. So all my Madison people, you gotta go out and see Dina and Nina. Yes. Absolutely wonderful talking to you today. Okay. And I wish you the best. And I want to check in again, you know, We opened up a little and now we might be closing back down. But once we're all free again to go out and do all of our shows, I I definitely would love to have you back.
2: I'd love to. I'd love it.
0: Thank you so much, Dina. Thank you, Allison. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's Allison. Thanks for listening to The Daily Beans. We love you. For this show, we create videos, social posts, infographics, website designs, logos, posters. But before I hired a professional, it wasn't always an easy process. It took a lot of time and we were constrained by our software and my personal really low design skills and the high learning curve. But since discovering Canva Pro, I can design anything like a pro on any device. Canva Pro is a design platform that enables you to create stunning content in just a few clicks. It's easy and fun to create with Canva Pro regardless of your experience level. There are thousands of professionally designed templates you can customize with simple drag and drop tools or start from scratch. Adding personality and edge to your designs is easy with Canva Pro's endless fonts, photos and videos. Their extensive library of tools and features and imagery, it's all available in your one subscription. And sharing and creating and organizing designs as a group has never been easier. It's all in one place, so you don't have to chase people. and It's a great way to maintain team projects. And with Canva Pro's content planner, you save time planning, creating and posting social media content. You can pause a scheduled post and edit it anytime you want. And my favorite Canva Pro feature is the access to over 75 million photos. and They have 400,000 free templates to use. I can easily design new logos and infographics and posters and more. Design like a pro with Canva Pro now. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you use our promo code. Just go to canva.me slash beans to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's canva, C-A-N-V-A dot me, M-E slash beans. Canva.me slash beans. And today's show is also brought to you by my new favorite snack in the world. It's called Tootaloo. I have to tell you, uh, you can say goodbye now to boring, bland, unhealthy trail mix made from chemicals that harm you and the planet. Most trail mix is filled with processed sugars and dirty nuts that are dry roasted in toxic refined oils like canola, palm, and soybean oil. But not Toodaloo. Toodaloo is the world's first all-natural, totally delicious, climate-friendly trail mix packed with plant protein, superfoods, and adaptogenic herbs like lion's mane, ashwagandha, and reishi to help balance and support your body and mind. Toodaloo comes in five unique tasty flavors, chocolate, maple brittle, coffee, barbecue, and hot and spicy. The ancient herbs in each flavor promote a specific function of the body, like better skin or better gut health or a chill mood. The barbecue flavor is so good. It's called Smoke Show. It has 42 grams of plant protein per bag. It's also low in carbs. It supports energy flow to fuel your day. Toodaloo is grain-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, dairy-free, processed sugar-free, and their packaging is plastic neutral. It's amazing. And it's got a really great design, too, I have to say. I love the font. I know that doesn't really have anything to do with the snacks, but it's awesome. And it's the most satisfying, best-tasting trail mix I've ever had. For each order placed, Tootaloo also regenerates 100 square feet of polluted farmland back into rich, fertile soil. So nutritious food for you, and a cleaner planet for us all. We have a special offer for you: you get five dollars off your first order of Tootaloo. Just visit tootaloo.com/beans. That's tootaloot toodalo ocom beans And Tootaloo is so confident you'll love it. Each purchase is backed by a 100% best taste guarantee. This will definitely become your favorite go-to snack. Seriously, the taste is amazing. So visit com slash beans and try it today. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And joining us today for the good news is Amy Carrero. And Amy, we really need this good news today. This was a heavy day.
1: Whoa, it was a heavy day. And I was in the car most of the day. So I was getting it from NPR, which is like, if you're going to get the news, it's like the best way to get it because someone with a nice voice is telling it to you. But man, was it hard. Yeah, it's tough
0: news. I'm ready for it.
1: I'm ready for the good news.
0: Yeah. And if you have any good news submissions that you want to send us, whether it's pictures of your happy place or you want to play what the mutt with us or any any of the games that we play or if you have idea for new games, my new favorite is shit kids say. It's so fun. <laughs> I love that. And we do have a couple of cases for Amy's court today. So I'm looking forward to that. Dong dong, dong dong. But you can send all that in by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. So, Amy, how was your you've been away? How was it? Tell us your good news. I-
1: I've been away. I went to Italy for my fifth wedding anniversary Mm. and it was fucking amazing. I mean, there's just, there's, uh, it was perfect. Top to bottom. Everyone was very, very, they take COVID there very seriously and so I felt, you know, incredibly safe. We didn't take our masks off indoors at all. So that was, you know, uh, it was good. And and we went to Rome. We went to Lago di Como. We Or like, as my friends were saying, Lake Cuomo. <laughs> we went to, <laughs> where else did we go? We went to Tuscany. And then we went to Puglia. And it was it great. Was so fun. I got a nice tan out of it, too.
0: Yeah, it was so fun to watch all your posts on social media. You're like, yeah. this sucks. And you're on a boat with like a glass what of a champagne. <laughs>
1: Ugh. This and on Ugh. this one and on this one boat we took on our actual anniversary, the captain of the boat or, you know, the man who owns the boat. He was like, you like uh, you like uni? That terrible accent. What accent am I doing? He had an Italian accent. And we're Mm -hmm. like, sure, yeah, we like Uni, thinking he had some in a cooler. This guy dove into the sea with some flippers, got some uni with a screwdriver, (laughs) like I don't know I don't know, broke it open and we had like fresh baby Uni on this boat. So like I got no complaints. It was very What a dump. Yeah, that's terrible
0: and yeah, (sighs) stupid. Give me my money back. I know. I don't know how you tolerate that kind of thing with such poise, really. (laughs) All right, next up, or well, first up, I should say, from, um, from Katie. This is a submission from Katie, no pronouns given. Hi, FYI, your podcast accompanies my breakfast and helps my brain get going before I head off to work. If you knew my brain, you would understand how much heavy lifting you're actually doing. <laughs> I already love Katie. Yeah, okay. I love Katie. Itsy Bitsy pronunciation mm-hmm. correction. Rep Meyer's name is pronounced Meyer. Oh did Oh, did Dana say it? Okay. Meyer is pronounced Meyer. Like if major, you,
1: It's not major. Like,
0: and like if you start to say my representative, but you remember partway through that your rep is the type of guy who will divert much needed resources from refugees. And you say Meyer <laughs> before trailing off in a disappointment. Katie, you're so awesome. Also, I have some beans on McCarthy's response. Rep Meyer has been a little more moderate than most of the GOP. So it's possible that McCarthy isn't as likely to defend him. Mm. Hmm. Y'all are BAMFs with a heart of gold. That's awesome. That's
1: interesting beans.
0: Hmm. Now, as ESL, do you know what a BAMF is? I don't
1: Mm. know what a BAMF is.
0: (laughs) bamf is a badass motherfucker a
1: badass motherfucker okay that's good you know i had full i fully damn it i had a bit i was gonna do this entire thing in my very good italian accent that i picked up and now as you can see it's completely gone so maybe it'll come back before the end of the episode um but next up we have alexis the correction okay um i appreciate your treatment of mental health i the brodzer brodozer oh I. The
0: brodozer episode, yeah. Okay. So I basically, what you know, you remember the guy who drove up onto the in front of the Library of Congress and threatened yes. to blow up, yes. the building. The brodozer, those giant. That's what I call those giant trucks. is a brodozer. Oh, okay,
1: okay, okay, okay. In the brodozer episode, Ag mentioned that mental health problems and being an asshole are mutually exclusive. But that's clearly not what you meant, since mutually exclusive things have no overlap. I'm sure you'll find the right word. Independent orthogonal alexis you are too smart for me oh i just meant
0: when i when i said mutually exclusive there is yeah because there is overlap but what i meant is that one doesn't mean the other automatically yeah
1: i i agree that's with that.
0: that's kind of what i meant by a well, uh, 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 good 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 eye though i'll clear you know i should clarify that uh, but basically what i'm saying is If, you know, if you have mental health problems, that doesn't mean that you're going to drive up in a bro dozer and try to threaten to blow things up. You know, that's not that doesn't mean that that's what happens. And, you know, there's just so he's going through an evaluation. Mm -hmm. So for for mental health, he's back on his meds now. But, you know, a lot of people who are off their meds can get violent. But that's it's not. It's not exclusively because they have mental health yes. issues. Yes. And I is, think the I biggest think problem
1: is that people, you know, when they were covering this were saying, well, he's got mental health issues as if it was a way to excuse the behavior. So I, I feel like I, I maybe would have said it the same way. So I'm glad that now I know that maybe maybe that isn't the way to independent. Orthogonal. Orthogonal. I don't know. I don't English is my second language, okay? <laughs> <laughs> italian is not my first language but i'm working i
0: know on because it. you keep you keep like sort of sloping down into the miami accent every i know time you try to i'm not good at
1: accents but i'm gonna get better that my favorite way that my favorite my favorite way to get into it is that a lot of the italians when they speak english and they're like asking you what you want to eat they'll be like we do it in the red sauce
0: <laughs> that's sexy that's yeah, really sexy Very sexy
1: okay sorry I digress. Yes,
0: Italy. We, we do digress into sexiness when talking about Italy. Um, it's just such a sexy country from top to bottom. Okay. Uh, next up, Mac pronouns he and him. Hello, ladies of the Leguminati. I just wanted to drop by and say I love y'all and thanks for helping me start each morning with some swear worthy news. Amy, I've been loving Exandria Unlimited. Aww. I hope you are in future D&D games, crit roll or otherwise. Yeah. For pet pod tax, I submit my cat Rukia and her unusual obsession with shoes. My chonk, my void chonk, has love shoes too, Mac. Anytime I visit my parents where she lives, she winds up rubbing or lying Aww. on my shoes. She's weird, but we love her. Oh, and look at that.
1: baby. Look at that. That's a chonk. <laughs> or maybe that's the angle. That is a chonker. no, no. It no, could no. be
0: a floof. Yeah, it oh, could be a floof. forced force perspective floof chonk situation. Right. But yeah, I wherever there's a pair of shoes that that I have literally a library I uh, I have an album of photos in my phone of my cat loving shoes. So, yeah. I feel you.
1: Maybe it's cuz they smell like you. I don't know. Cats, I don't know. I'm like confusing cats with dogs. My dogs love my dog loves all of my stinky shoes. Um, okay, okay, next stop, we have Kevin, no pronouns given, not sure if this counts as good news or what, but here goes, my brother bought me a copy of Here, Right Matters, for my birthday a couple of weeks ago. This afternoon, a white cardboard envelope showed up on my step from HarperCollins, and I had no idea what it was, but inside was a sticker with Colonel Vindman's signature for my book. I have a signed copy now. (gasps) Oh,
0: That. that is very good news, Kevin. Dope, Kevin. That's really good news, and
1: it's like a and, and sharpie you, one too.
0: Yeah, you've actually just reminded me to bring my copy of Here Write Matters to DC so that I can also obtain a signature. Yes, um, that's amazing. Awesome, such a good book too. All right, next up from Wayne. Pronouns he and him. Hello, D G Amy, and everyone else who works on the show. Years ago, when I moved from New York City to to Virginia. I purchased a car as it's necessary to get around and was not in New York. It was a simple, practical purchase. I essentially grabbed the first car in my price range, which wound up being a Ford Focus. It served me well for eight years and 150,000 miles. But it was time for a change. I found myself in a position to get a car I really like, as opposed to buying one out of necessity. And this past weekend, (gasps) I was able to drive home with a new-ish Mustang.
1: Oh, baby!
0: It's sweet looking, fun to drive, and now I find myself looking for excuses to leave the house. (gasps) I'm even looking forward to my once-weekly commute into the office. After a year of personal loss and feeling drained by all the awful things happening in the world, that new car feeling has lifted my mood a bit. Thanks again for all you do to make the news digestible and entertaining. I do not have pet tax, but I hope a pick of the Stang will suffice. Oh, yeah.
1: Wow, that's a gorgeous car.
0: I like the new Stang. And, Wayne, you have to tell us what you end up naming her him they I, yes. I, I have to know and
1: also look can I don't know if this is like I don't think this is standard in all Mustangs but that's a that looks like a dropped version
0: mm-hmm. like it's got some fairing around it or yeah, something Yeah,
1: that's really cool well congrats. and
0: I love the yeah, long the hood like that yeah
1: too. and it curves down a little bit yeah that's a it's a very good car it's a very sexy job. car now if only you can add an Italian accent to that and you could have us all you could have the entire staff of the Daily Beans <laughs> um, you can pick us up, and you're staying. Okay, next up, we got Alan. pronouns he him to the luminous ladies of La Leguminati. Your intelligence, humor, insights, genuine connection with each other, and curses make your podcast my favorite. I've been a patron for a while, and I'm always drawn in by your reporting and your deeper commentary on the news. I bring three gifts for your news segment. One was a misinterpretation I had of an ad on your on your show ran about businesses opening up again the line was like with jim's nail salons and hotels opening up but i heard it as gyms, nail salons and just went <laughs> huh i never heard of jim the nail salon mogul until i figured it out <laughs> i love that you ever heard
0: of jim's nails i mean
1: yeah everyone gets their nails done at jim's nails
0: Everybody goes. There's a line around the block at Jim's nails.
1: <laughs> he's got a he's got a special on uh, acrylic fills a- and almost no mold. We love mm. Jim's nail salons. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, second is a misheard song lyric from my five year old. When Bon Jovi's living on a prayer came on, we would all sing it, and then we realized she was singing whoa beating on a chair. That's hilarious. (laughs) So we all went with it. Finally, in relation to Lou Gomer isms I heard one from my grandfather that just makes sense for Gomert and so many others of his GOP ilk. No medicine ever cured a fool. That's so
0: true. (laughs) True.
1: To you and everyone who makes your podcast empire possible, thank you.
0: That's you're sweet. welcome alan that was a that was a trifecta that was a that
1: was a really that, good one yeah
0: and now that we, just of just a
1: quick word from our sponsor jim's nail salons gotta we gotta, mm-hmm. we gotta mm-hmm. fill it fit fit it in
0: almost no mold
1: almost no mold
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great slogan amy well done <laughs> all right <clears throat> amy's court is in session first up from deborah Pronoun she and her i have listened since the kitchen days I lost my teaching job due to health concerns this spring before the 2016 election. The podcasts gave me people to cry and scream with. Now my life is reflecting your more optimistic tone cool. under the Biden administration. I spent most of my summer studying the International Building Code to become a blueprint examiner, a job I can do from home and, if necessary, from my bed. Cool. Earlier this month, I passed the three hour exam and will start working soon. <clears throat> To reward myself, I scheduled a perm at a local salon. Guess where my good news turns into a case for Amy's Ooh, court. Here we go.
1: Oh, I love a salon. I mean, we love salons here. So mm-hmm. clearly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not as good as Jim's nails. No,
1: he doesn't do perms. <laughs>
0: no, he doesn't. Though vaccinated, she says, I take meds for autoimmune diseases and I don't know how well the vaccine works for me. So I wear a mask. Mm -hmm. No one else at the salon was masked, but that didn't surprise me. Our area has been slow to get back to masking after a brief illusion of freedom. Mm -hmm. The stylist who worked on my hair was skilled and friendly. However, uh, well after the rods were in my hair, she mentioned that not only was she unvaccinated, she said she was allergic to vaccinated people, which is why she had to wear gloves. As I was in a vulnerable position, I did not speak out. As she worked hard on my head for an hour and is probably underpaid, I left a good tip. The question is, should I contact the salon with my concerns? I do not want to get anyone fired, but I also don't want to spend a prolonged contact like that in an unsafe way again.
1: Mm.
0: For pet tax, I present my late, great best friend, Bingo, who we sometimes called Air Bingo for his unstoppable desire to jump up and kiss people on the face. Not a good thing in an 80-pound dog. 80 pounds. Wow. He wasn't the brightest, but he was a happy walking buddy and a guardian for 13 oh, years. Oh, baby. We don't know his actual lineage, but you can decide if you agree with the vet's best guess.
1: Oh, what a sweetie pie. Look at that face.
0: Oh, uh, not I, I don't
1: know.
0: Looks like a shepherd lab. hmm Up, oh, German shepherd yep, pit bull. There you go.
1: Yeah, All I right. see that. Okay. That would,
0: that would explain the 80 pounds. All right, yes. but back to the case. To what business. do you think?
1: Here's what I think. I think, first of all, I'm confused about why she's allergic to vaccinated people. And she so she's clearly into conspiracy. Right. Because that's what it sounds Mm -hmm. like to me. Like she's, you know, deep into a conspiracy theory. So I what I would do and maybe you disagree with me, but I actually did this with a, a massage place that's near my house. I haven't gotten like one of those like quick you go in for a quick massage or whatever. I haven't gone back, but I saw that they like mm-hmm. liked a picture that was spreading a lot of anti-vax information. So I called and I was like, hey, I would just like to know what your official position is about vaccinations and about masking in your establishment, to which they were like, we, we, you know, all of our employees are vaccinated or blah, 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 we follow the code. And then I was like, okay, well, wh- some whoever runs your socials did this. I say this because maybe instead of calling and saying like, Hey, so and so told me she was allergic to unvaccinated people. I think you can say, "Hey, as a paying customer, I love your establishment. I love the people who work there. I would love to come back, but um, you know, it's come to my attention that not all of your staff is vaccinated. So, I just want to let you know that that makes me really uncomfortable, and I don't know if I can come back to your salon. I think that's yeah, the or only thing you can do right
0: or to do it in the in the way you said, just ask what their stance is on vaccinations yeah. and masks, and then take the conversation from there. And and honestly. I mean, Deborah, if you're uncomfortable making that call, you can have a friend or a family member make that call, yeah. and say, "My family member was in the salon. I was just wondering, curious about what your stance on vaccination and masking is. My family member is immunocompromised." Yeah. And um, loved your service. You did a wonderful perm. It doesn't say here if the perm was awesome or not. I'm assuming it was. If let's assume it was, Mm -hmm. you know, but concern for health and safety was just wondering what your official stance is on that. And, uh, you know, I would I would either have yourself or someone else assert that to them. Uh, I have gone to many businesses. And if they don't require masks or don't check my vaccine, I don't even go to businesses that that don't check my vaccine card like that's why that's why on my social media all you will see is photos of me at barrel and board and or mo's or anything in the mo's universe because they all check your vaccine card same with the comedy store in los angeles fortunately and in la jolla so the so now i have places i go where i can feel comfortable And if you don't, I'll call ahead of time and ask, like, do you? Yeah. And okay, I won't I won't be coming in. But thank you for your time.
1: Yeah, you can say that. I'm sure. I mean, nothing. I mean, I don't know. I haven't owned a business, but I would imagine that like the worst thing as a business owner that you could hear is someone choosing not to go to your establishment because they feel unsafe or like something one of your policies. So. Yeah, I think they would probably hate to lose your business. So in a way, it's kind of like the best way of, I think, bringing it up. But please let us know how it goes. I'm really curious. Also, you know, it sounds like maybe you live in an area where, you know, it's not as up with the, you know, COVID precautionary things. But I feel you as, you know, someone with asthma and respiratory problems, like I'm getting, this is completely information that you didn't ask for, but I'm getting um, a serology test, an antibody test at some point next week to check to see if I still have protection with the vaccine because people with autoimmune diseases or asthma or whatever, sometimes, you know, it can um, kind of like wane faster. So mm-hmm. that's an option for you too. It doesn't have to do with this. But if you are worried about how the vaccine is working for you, you can definitely have a blood test and check.
0: Yeah. And get that booster too. Yeah, with an autoimmune disorder. You're, you're eligible for that booster. You just go into CVS and tell them, And also one last caveat here, uh, if the if the perm was mediocre or the service wasn't that great, call around for other salons that do require masks and vaxes. Mm -hmm. You know, but I mean, if she's the fucking master permer of, you know, company B, then definitely, you know, and you want her, (laughs) you want her to continue to do your perms because she's like the best perm in the West or this. I don't know where you live then, you know, then that's worth the call, Yeah. you know, also, but if, it, if, if it's,
1: yeah, it's also weird and maybe she'll be embarrassed, but like if, if, if the manager is like, Hey, so we had a call about this and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, we were now requiring whatever they decide she's going to think back on that weird shit. Cause if she told you she's wearing gloves cause she's allergic to unvaccinated people or vaccinated people, then for sure she's told other people that too. So there's that.
0: Yeah. And, and that, that I think is important to, to, to stop yeah, <laughs> telling people. Allergic to vaccinated. I people. need help. All right, help. All right, but maybe here. Brenda, maybe maybe Brenda can can roll a perm. You know, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's hard to do a perm. I think you have to have vision. They are hard. Yeah,
0: they are difficult, and you have to time it just right, and you have to watch the curls, and you have to. It's it's tough. It's a it's a procedure.
1: Yeah, but good for you for getting one.
0: Yeah, and congrats on 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 feeling a little bit better these days. You know, and rewarding yourself for getting that new job. That's fucking cool dude yeah my my parents worked a lot with blueprints so i loved just looking at them when i was a kid i had mm-hmm. no idea what they meant they have so. a very
1: <laughs> specific smell too yeah. like mm-hmm. old blueprints like you know they mm-hmm. have a very specific smell
0: And they're always rolled up in those tubes yeah yeah love it love it cool Well, uh, that is the good news segment. If you have any good news you want to send in, please, please send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. More good news. I have some good news. We are (gasps) keeping the MSW Book Club public on the air. (laughs) This weekend, we have our final episode of the Hatchet Man series with Ellie Honig. He's there the entire episode answering your questions that you sent in on Patreon.com. And so that airs this Sunday. Then we take a break. The following Sunday, there will, be, there will be no Mueller, she wrote, and there will be no MSW Book Club because it is my one week every eight, every eight weeks vacation, which you all told me I have you to have take. You have
1: to so- take it. Everyone's making you. Sorry.
0: Sorry. So there won't be those shows. We do have beans for you all next week while I'm gone, though. I've been working really hard this whole last eight weeks to put together shows and interviews of interest to you. And those will be out next week. So you have all new, fresh, fancy content. We've got guest hosts like Greg Oliar and Lincoln's Bible. Ooh. And Dana will be hanging out with the good news. She's going to be here. So they're going to be rad shows. I, just, I promise. And send in your good news because we're going to have good news segments too. But yeah, we were going to take the MSW book club for patrons only, but I'm not. I'm leaving it public. It, we We haven't really sold any ads on it, but I don't care. I love it and people love it. And so uh, you're going to get it.
1: <laughs> you're going <laughs> to get it what you I'm, or not. I'm going to give it to you.
0: I'm going to give it all up in your back. Okay. <laughs> now <laughs> watch Wanderlust and you'll Beep. know why that's funny. So the next book is either going to be Here Right Matters or the uh, by Alexander Vinman cool. or The Reckoning by Mary Trump. Those are going to be the next two books. I just don't know in what order I'm going to do them. Cool. cool, cool. And as you know, I will always have the author on the final episode to answer your question. So if you're a patron, you can go to patreon.com/slash the daily beans, and uh, eventually we'll put a link up uh, on that page where you can click and and fill out a form and ask your question to the author. So oh, it's very cool. It's how cool director. is that?
1: What a cool, what a flex too. You be like, as always, we have the author at the end of the episode. It's very cool.
0: Ellie was like, you're the Oprah of political you books. Really
1: are. Oh my <laughs> god. I was like, I need a sticker.
0: I need a little, a, sticker a little
1: A.G. to put on the front of the A.G. approved. A.G.'s
0: book club. Yes. Ooh, ooh, MSW book club approved. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, everybody, Amy, it was so great to see you. I missed you while you were oh, gone. I missed you too. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. You'll be around Yes, next week? I
1: will be in Savannah doing a movie, but I will be here.
0: Excellent. I love Savannah. Georgia such a beautiful oh, Georgia. Yeah. Beautiful. I can, yes.
1: I can't wait. I've only ever driven through Savannah. So if you, anybody has any restaurant recommendations or just literally any recommendations, let me know. Cause I will be there for two months.
0: I have one recommendation for you. Watch the movie midnight in the garden of good and evil before you.
1: Okay. Am I going to be scared?
0: No, it's, oh. it's it about ghosts? just, it's inter- It's just about the, the peccadillos and intricacies oh, and things about Savannah, Georgia it takes place there. And it's, it's got uh John Cusack who okay, done. is done. A, a fan of the beans. Yeah. It's a very, very, very cool movie. Very cool book. Midnight in the Garden of Good Midnight and Evil. Midnight in the Garden
1: of Good and Evil. I've definitely heard of it. I will watch it on the plane. Thank you.
0: Sweet. All right, everybody. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. And take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill.
1: And I've been Amy Carrero.
0: And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane